Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 1 Kings chapter 20, and we're just going to call this Kingdom Chaos. <laughs> just Kingdom Chaos. It's just at some point, you just want to go, can, can somebody obey God around here? Can, can someone just stop the bleeding? All right. It, it reminds me of, if you've ever been a parent, and especially of a parent of, you probably could experience this with one kid, but especially if you have two or more kids that are in like the toddler stage. I, I had these moments so many times when my wife and I would be sitting there trying to have a conversation with one another. And one baby over here is just making noise and just 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 throwing stuff and whatever. Other baby over here is just crying. And we don't know why they're crying, but they are. And at some point, you're just going, can, can somebody just not cry for a moment or not make noise? Can, can you? And the answer is no. <laughs> it's just the season that you are in. And that is exactly what I think about when I think about this chapter. We're just going to dive right into it. And all of it's... <laughs> And all of its craziness. But before we do that, as always, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave us a comment. Let us know how you're engaging with God's Word. How What are you finding? Because the more you dig, the more you find. And we want to know what the Lord is teaching you. Also, for our podcast listeners, you will forever be my favorites, just to aggravate our YouTube people, right? We're all one big family, but I love it. And thank you so much for those of you who are leaving us those five-star reviews. They really do help us get the information out there. And I always want to say a big thank you to those who are at our Bible Breakdown discussion, writing those devotionals for us. It's one of my favorite things to do when I get up in the morning, is to check those devotionals, because they're so wonderful. And I want to tell you about something real quick, and that is that you can go to our new website, thebiblebreakdown.com, and we are slowly but consistently adding more and more information there to help you. We've had people who've said, hey, I want to know the Bible verse at the end of all of our podcasts. Well, we've got a place where we're putting all those together for each book of the Bible. We've also had people who have said, hey, I want to know where we're going. Like, can you give me an extended Bible reading plan? Well, that's also on thebiblebreakdown.com. So if you want to go there, you can see that. And we're also very slowly collecting resources for each individual podcast. So if you want to dig in a little deeper, you can. So make sure you go to thebiblebreakdown.com and you can get more information there, okay? All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, you want to open up with me to 1 Kings chapter 20. Like I said, it's just crazy. I mean, it is just, I mean, wow, right? And we're going to jump into this. And, and I wonder if you get the kind of the the idea for me. Can somebody start just obeying God? Because you know what God has said this whole time? This whole time we've been talking about this idea. The overall theme of this book is your history tells a story, but not the whole story. Behind the scenes, God is constantly trying to pull things together. And, and God's already told them, if you would turn to me, I want to forgive you. I want to heal you. But, but you got to turn to me. And I don't know if you're like me, but at some point, I just want to wave some white flag for everybody else and say, hey, listen, can we just stop? But unfortunately, they're not going to. You ready? Here we go. First Kings chapter 20. Let's dive in. Verse 1. About that time, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mobilized his army, supported by the chariots and the horses of 32 allied kings. They went 
and besieged Samaria, the capital of Israel, and launched attacks against it. Ben-Hadad sent messengers into the city to relay this message to King Ahab of Israel. This is what Ben-Hadad says, Your silver and gold are mine, and so are your wives and the best of your children. That's rude. Here we go. All right, my lord the king, uh, Israel's king said, all I have is yours. Now pause. So he just was told, I'm about to come in here, and I'm about to take your money, your wives, and your children. And the answer was, sure. Already not good. Verse 5. Soon, Ben-Hadad's messengers returned again and said, This is what Ben-Hadad says. I have already demanded that you give me your silver, your gold, your wives, and your children. But about this time tomorrow, I will send my officials to search your palace and your homes of your officials. They will take away everything you consider valuable. Then Ahab summoned all the elders of the land and said to them, Look, how this man is stirring up trouble. I already agreed with this demand that I gave him all my wives and my children and my silver and my gold. Don't give him, uh, don't give in to any more demands, all the elders of the people advised. So Ahab told the messengers of Ben-Hadad, Say this to my lord the king, I will give you everything you asked for the first time, but I cannot accept this last demand of yours. So the messengers returned to Ben-Hadad with this response. Then Ben-Hadad sent this response to Ahab. May the gods strike me and even kill me if there remains enough dust from Samaria to provide even a handful for each of my soldiers. So the king of Israel sent back this answer. A warrior putting on his sword for battle should not boast like a warrior who has already won. Ahab's reply reached Ben-Hadad and the other kings as they were drinking in their tents. Prepare to attack, Ben-Hadad commanded his officers, and so they prepared to attack the city. All right, so I, can, I can't get over this fact that Ahab was like, you want my wife? You want my kids? You want my money? Sure. You want anything else? I'm just going too far. Like, what else has he got that's more important than that? But at some point, maybe he just didn't want him to take his like favorite chariot or something like that. You can take my wife, you can take my kids. But don't take Bob, my horse, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever it is. But now they're going to fight. So here we go. Verse 13. Then a certain prophet came to King Ahab of Israel and told him, This is what the Lord says. Do you see these enemy forces? Today I will hand them over to you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Ahab asked, Oh, how will he do it? The prophet replied, This is what the Lord says. The troops of the provincial commanders will do it. Should we attack first? Ahab asked. Yes, the prophet answered. So Ahab mustered the troops of the 232 provincial commanders. Then he called out the rest of the army of Israel, some 7,000 men. About noontime, as Ben-Hadad and the 32 allied kings were still in their tents, drinking themselves into a stupor, the troops of the provincial commanders marched out of the city as uh, the first contingent. As they approached, Ben-Hadad's scouts reported to him, Some troops are coming from Samaria. Take them alive, Ben-Hadad commanded, whether they have come for peace or for war. But Ahab's provincial commanders and the entire army had come out to fight. Each Israelite soldier killed his Aramean opponent. And suddenly, the entire Aramean army panicked and fled. The Israelites chased them. But King Hadad and a few of his charioteers escaped on horses. 
However, the king of Israel destroyed the other horses and chariots and slaughtered the Arameans. Afterward, the prophet said to King Ahab, Get ready for another attack. Begin making plans now, for the king of Aram will come back next spring. So, God told them, go do the thing and it'll work out. They did the thing and it worked out. So, wouldn't you think that means Ahab and all of Israel would turn their hearts toward God? You think so? Well, let's keep reading. Here we go. Verse 23. After their defeat, Ben-Hadad's officers said to them, or to him, the Israelite gods are gods of the hills. That's why they won. But we can beat them easily on the plains. Only this time, replace the kings with field commanders. Recruit another army like the one you lost. Give us the same number of horses, chariots, and men, and we will fight against them on the plains. There's no doubt that we will beat them. So, Ken, uh, King Ben-Hadad did as they suggested. The following spring, they called up the Aramean army and marched out against Israel, this time at Aphek. Israel then mustered its army, set up supply lines, and marched out for battle. But the Israelite army looked like two flocks of goats in comparison to the vast Aramean forces that filled the countryside. So what happened was, the Arameans were like, hey, look, the reason why they beat us is because their God likes the hills. So this time we'll go in the valley. Now, that wasn't true, but that's what they told themselves. So they got this massive army that looked like, of all things, a small flock of goats compared to this vast army. But look what happens. Verse 28, then the man of God went to the king of Israel and said, this is what the Lord says. The Arameans have said, the Lord is a God of the hills, not of the plains. So I will defeat this fast army for you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. The two armies camped opposite of each other for seven days. And on the seventh day, the battle began. The Israelites killed 100,000 Aramean foot soldiers in one day, as a lot of people. The rest fled into the town of Aphek, but the wall fell on them, killing another 27,000. It just wasn't their day. Ben-Hadad fled into the town and hid in a secret room. Ben-Hadad's officers said to him, Sir, we have heard that the king of Israel is merciful. So let's humble ourselves by wearing burlap around our waist and put on put ropes on our heads and surrender to the king of Israel. Then perhaps he will let you live. So they put on burlap and ropes and they went to see the king of Israel and begged. Your servant Ben-Hadad says, please let me live. The king of Israel responded, is he still alive? He is my brother. So the men said, I thought this was a good sign and quickly picked up on the words and said, yes, he is your brother Ben-Hadad. Go and get him, the king of Israel told him. And when Ben-King-Hadad arrived, Ahab invited him into his chariot. Ben-Hadad told him, I will give back the towns my father took from your father, and you may establish places of trade in Damascus, as my father did in Samaria. Then Ahab said, I will release you under these conditions. So they made a new treaty, treaty and Ben-Hadad was set free. Now think about that for a moment. Ben-Hadad came in here flexing, saying, I want your wives, I want your kids, I want your gold, I want your silver. And now you're like, Ah, you know, he ain't so bad. Send him on home. Well, God didn't think that was a good idea. Watch what happens in verse 25. Meanwhile, the Lord instructed one of the groups of the prophets to say to another man, Hit me. But when the man refused to hit the prophet, the prophet told him, Because you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, a lion will kill you as soon as you leave. When he had gone, 
Sure enough, a lion did attack and kill the fool. <laughs> then the prophet turned to another man and said, hit me. So he struck the prophet and wounded him. Can I just pause and say, if I just see that happening, dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock the mess out of you. I don't want no lion coming and messing up my afternoon. But that's what happened. Verse 38, the prophet placed a bandage over his eyes to disguise himself and then waited beside the road of the king for the king. As the king passed by, the prophet called out to him, Sir, I was in the thick of the battle, and suddenly a man brought me a prisoner. He said, Guard this man. If for any reason he gets away, you will either die or pay a fine of 75 pounds of silver. But while I was busy doing something else, the prisoner disappeared. Well, it's your own fault, the king replied. You have brought judgment on yourself. Then the prophet quickly pulled off the bandage from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. And the prophet said, This is what the Lord says. Because you have spared the man that I said must be destroyed, now you must die in his place, and your people will die instead of his people. So the king went home to Samaria angry and sullen. Wow. The king went home angry and sullen because of something he, because of something he had done wrong. Kingdom chaos, that's what this is. And at some point, you just want to say, Ahab, the reason why this is happening is because you're not following Jesus. And God keeps on doing miracles so that you'll turn your life and your heart back to him. Just do that, please. <laughs> but he's not doing it. It's getting worse. I don't know about you, but I have had times when I've watched people that I love and people that I, I hold dear and they're far from God. They're not following God. They're, they're doing other things. And, and you know what's crazy is, is then they'll say, hey, pastor, I want you to pray for me. I need this. I need that. And in my mind, I'm thinking the number one thing that God has on his mind for you is not that pay raise, not that new job, not that whatever. He wants the relationship restored. But what happens so many times is God will do great things. God will answer these prayers as a way of showing these people that they belong to God and that God loves them. But instead of seeing it as a sign that God loves them, they just keep doing what they're doing. I guess I was lucky. I guess God loves me. And don't, don't see it for what it is. And, I, and I'm quick sometimes to judge those people. Don't they see? And then I realize sometimes in my own life I do that. And sometimes I pray for something. I ask God for something. And then God does amazing things. And instead of taking time to celebrate the Lord, I'm off to the next thing. Instead of going, maybe... God answered my prayer, not because of how awesome I am or because I prayed the right prayer, I said it the right amount of times or any of that stuff, but instead as a way to remind me that he sees me, that he loves me, and to remind me to make sure I'm turning my heart close to him. So I want to ask you a question today as we end our time. We all have prayers that we're still praying for, we all have things that we're asking God for and hoping for, but I want you to think about for a moment, what has God done in your life? What is a miracle that he has worked? And before you say nothing, realize that's not true. The fact that your heart is still beating is a miracle. The fact that you got up this morning is a miracle. Not everybody did. But you can even go to times in your past when God worked things out. What if you took that as a, a sign from God that he is real and that he loves you? And that if he can do that, Nothing you face now is impossible. If you notice the two times that the Lord came to do this, it was to show Ahab that he really was God. Maybe some of the things that are happening in your life right now 
It's not just because you prayed, but it's God trying to show himself to you. So what if today, instead of praying and asking God for anything, you took time to say, God, thank you for all the things that you have done. Because you know what that shows me? It shows and reminds me that you really are God and that you really are for me. And if you did that for me in the past, nothing is impossible for you. Let's pray together right now. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, your mercy. Thank you, God, that you are with us and you're for us. Lord, I'm so sorry that sometimes I'm like those in this story. I, I get so wrapped up in what I'm doing that I forget the miracles that you do. I pray you will help me today to slow down, think about your goodness, and just celebrate that every one of these good things is a sign that you are real, you're active, and you love me, and you love us. Help us to celebrate you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Don't forget, Elijah challenged us in 1 Kings chapter 18 when he said this, How long will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. God has done more for us than we can imagine. Let us honor him in return by following him today. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for 1 Kings chapter 21.